This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. I'm Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to The Score. score. The Score with Michael Clark. And welcome along to The Score here on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM with me, Michael Clark. It is the penultimate edition of the programme for this season and it all goes down to the wire. The final day will provide the answers in the Premiership that we have been searching for. Who is going to win the title? We will have guests from Linfield and Cliftonville on the show And as well as that, we'll be reflecting on a moment of history. 60 years they have been in existence, and for the first time ever, they've won the Intermediate Cup. Rough Ryland boss Ali Wilson will join us on the show later on, as well sports journalist Mark McIntosh, who will be discussing some of the other big stories in the top flight of Irish League football. It's all coming up right here on this bumper edition of The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Yes, welcome along to The Score. And it's a weekend that everybody has been talking about. Who is going to win the Gibson Cup? Two teams that still are barely able to be prized apart going into the last match of the season. Will it be Linfield or will it be Cliftonville? Joining us on the programme Kicking us off this week is Cliftonville's Ryan Curran, who of course got two massive goals in the Derby game against Crusaders, rescuing what could be a very valuable point come the end of play tomorrow. Uh, Ryan, good to have you on the show. Cheers for having me, Michael. Um, What a season it's been, first of all. I, I know the business hasn't been concluded yet as far as you're concerned, but how much have you enjoyed your campaign personally this year? Um, yeah, yeah, it's been fantastic. I think I probably carried on some of my form from last year, albeit a predominantly a COVID-based season. But I think I managed to carry that on, and and thankfully the team have hit the ground running, and, and I've managed to have a good campaign on a personal front. But I think the most important thing, I know it's a bit cliche, is, is the performance of the team this year. And I think it's not just myself. There's probably nine or ten others that's contributed massively, along with all the rest of the lads. You know, so I think for the full season, everybody has been. Everybody's been top-notch, but yeah, as you say, it's been a great season for myself, but I'd like to probably finish it on a high on Saturday, so hopefully there's a bit more to come. We will be talking about that Glentoran game in a moment, but let's talk about the North Belfast derby, because it started fantastically for you. Cliftonville going front through, I mean, it had to be Colin Coates, didn't it, really? That was just such a bizarre moment, I think, for everybody involved, maybe even for Colin himself. Yeah, he could have wrote it, I suppose, um, <laughs> I don't think I don't think he probably envisaged that before the game, but you know what? He attacks the ball so well from the corner, and something that surprised me probably when he came to us. I always knew that playing against him, but he's actually a bit smaller than you would think. But for for someone in the round six foot, he, he he always seems to be there, there about the end of every corner. And I think before he did score, he had half a chance he might have skimmed one, and then obviously when he did score, he, he connected with it really well. And even for I think it was my my first goal, our second goal, he got a good connection on it. So. 
look, I'm sure, I'm sure it's a bit of a, a bit of a weird feeling for him scoring against Crusaders after being there for so long. But if he's a Cliftonville player now at the end of the day, and he's a massive part of our dressing room. He certainly appears to be. Cliftonville fans now sing his name. I, I think they're uh, completely bought into Colin Coates. And if you'd asked them a couple of years ago, or even less than that, I think they would have told you you were completely bonkers if, if you said, you are going to love this man, I promise you. But uh, he's definitely won them over. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a running joke, obviously, between the Cliftonville fans <laughs> and, and the United Rumble and the Crusaders fans face a bit. Um, but though, you, as you say, he probably never would have visited that. I always been against him. I, I probably never seen him in the Cliftonville top. And even even in their interchange, where we kind of joke with Joe with some of the battles they've had throughout the years, and they probably never seen each other being on the same side. But um, obviously, Paddy's seen until the start of the year an opportunity that was coming from him leaving Glenavon. And he obviously seen a couple of things. They bring him into the team, like obviously his quality first and foremost, but his experience is. He's won a few leagues now, I think it's three, and he's probably won countless cups. And it has, it has paid dividends at different points during the year. You know, he, he might not have played a big part of the start of the year, but I think in recent weeks or recent months, he, he's played a big, big part. And even for that then first four or five months of the season, like, he's played a big part behind the scenes that not a lot of people are probably new. You're heading in at halftime 1-0 up. What was the team talk? Uh, it's probably more of the same. You know, it, it, it's always like that when you, when you have a lead at halftime and... We actually were playing okay. We probably limited um, Crusaders to minimal chances. I think they might have had a few from the corner. Um, but you're always going for more of the same. But, you know, the games at Seaview, they're never going to be easy. And, and they're always going to pile up their pressure on you in the second half. And it might have been a fact that the wind was a bit strong and we couldn't really get out. But I think it was probably our own fault in the second half. We just, we just couldn't get out. And Crusaders managed to gain momentum. And, and whenever they do gain momentum, they're, they're hard to stop. And... You know, the goals, all goals are preventable, but the goals probably were preventable. I know Billy Joe scored a, scored a rocket from 25 yards, but there's things leading up to that that can be stopped. But as I said, the, the, the Crusaders get momentum. They are hardly stopped. So it was what it was. It was 3-1, and we had to try and, we had to try and pull, some, pull some out of the fire. From Billy Joe Burns scoring that goal to Jordan Forsyth making it 3-1, 15 minutes. I mean, calamitous from a Cliftonville perspective. So important then for you to score as quickly as you could after that, and, and you were able to do that twice. Yeah, like, it was it was a short spell, and there hasn't many times this year where we have rocked in games like that. I think whenever we've conceded, we've always been good, good at points back. But that's probably the first time this year where we, where we really did rock. And when it went when it went three one, I don't think there's probably many people that, many people that give us a chance. I'm sure even some of the lads within the team probably did ourselves, but. We managed to score quite quick and then the momentum had swung at that stage and, and thankfully we managed to pull back to three, eight, three each and on another day we probably could have scored a four from it on to win the game but it wasn't to be. Naturally and I'm sure it'll be the same tomorrow people are going what's the Linfield score how are Linfield doing things like that I mean is there any temptation as players to check scores at halftime in games or, or, or ask people I don't know if you're over taking a throw in or a corner ask a fan how's it going in the other one? Um, look, there's probably always a temptation. I don't think, I don't think anyone would be checking a phone at half time. You know, I don't think Paddy or the management team would be accepting that. But you can always gauge in the reaction of the crowd. And I, I think when it went, maybe I think it was three two was, and someone managed most of the hairs off from the crowd, and we knew that it was a nil nil. So we knew it was all to play for. Obviously, if Memphis had won that game, we had a good beat. It would have been over there and then. But it probably did spur us on that we found out it was nil nil. But you know. It can go both ways sometimes. If you find out they're winning, it might demotivate you. So you're probably better off not knowing and then just engage the reaction from the crowd, which is out of your control, of course. 
and looking at the table now, although there's a point in it because of their goal difference, you know realistically you need a win and you need them, Linfield, to drop points. So from that perspective, your objective's clear. Not saying it'll be easy, uh, you know, at the Oval against Glen Torren, but it's a match where you have to go out and win it and, and leave it all out there. Yeah, it's as simple as that. You know, we have to win the game. Um, Linfield have been there and done that. You know, they're 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 still the favourites to win the league, and it'll be a big ask if we are to go on and win it now. Um, it'll probably be a minor miracle at this stage. Um, but you know, we we do give ourselves a chance. Like we can't be we can't be getting into the game pessimistic. So. We do go into the game, it's all guns blazing, we have to go into win it. Um, nothing else really does for us. And, you know, if we manage to get a goal or two early on, I'm sure news will filter through the Windsor Park. So, you know, we can, we can try and put them in the back foot as much as they can try and put us in the back foot. But we have to take, take care of ourselves. You know, like if Linfield happened to win 4 0, as long as we've won our game and we've done our bit, and it's completely out of our control. Looking at it, played Glen Torren three times this season in the league, one, two of those, lost the other. Every single one of those games was decided by the odd goal. Uh, so it shows you, you know, it could be another another cagey one. Uh, is it about starting right, I guess, in that match and, and trying to settle any nerves early? Yeah, look, it'll definitely be a tight game. I think all the games between the top five or six this year have been really tight. It's probably the goal after it separated them. And certainly our games against Glen Torn um, have been tight this year. And I know we've won two and they've won one, but... They could have gone either way on their day. Um, so, yeah, as you said, the most important thing is probably starting well and, get, and gaining that bit of momentum in the game. You know, we have a massive prize to play for. Everyone's well aware of that within our change room. And we can't really afford to start the game slow, so we have to hit the ground running. What has been in the title race been like for you? Has it felt different? I mean, do you make different decisions when you're under that sort of pressure, when you, you sort of know... We, we have to do this or we have to do that or we're expected to, to get this result. Does it change how you think or perform in any way? Yeah, I suppose it does change the way you think. Look, everyone's human, so you know you know what's at stake in, in certain games, but it's trying to manage that and, and probably trying to and turn that in a positive way. Um, You're not being pulled over there, by the way, are you? <laughs> no, I'm not. There's a recharge trying to pass me here. That's okay. Um, but yeah, you have to use that that that, that um, nervous energy in a positive way. You know, there's there's lads in our team that have been there and done that, and, and everyone's played in big games, and, and we have a few experienced players. So I suppose it does play a part to an extent. But you know, it can it can give you that extra five or ten percent that you're looking for, and it it definitely has at certain times throughout the, throughout the year. And there's games where we would have lost or maybe dropped points in the past where we've gone on to one win this year, and it's really, really been a, it's been a fantastic year, and hopefully we can finish it off on a, on a high end Saturday. And as I say, the main thing for us is getting three points, and the Linfield game is out of, totally out of our control. And looking at that, we've seen post split Linfield and Cliftonville both dropping points, both at the same time. It's sort of strange how your form has mirrored one another. It shows you how you're both really pushing each other, and and the toll that a long competitive season takes on teams is there any regret that you know there have been two times in recent weeks where you could have gone above them uh, but without even looking at the game you played against them um and you weren't able to do that is there is there any part of your mind thinking back to those or, or how how do you shut that out if not i think at the time at the time of course is a bit of a regret but you have to shut it out quickly and move on you know, the games come like a fastest split, and you are playing quality opposition. So mm-hmm. you'd be naive to think you'd be naive to think you're going to get 12, 15 points. You know, 
them days are probably them days are probably gone where there's one or two teams that are just steamrolling the rest of the league. Everybody is capable of taking points on their taking points off each other on their day. And I know we've slipped up at times and we probably haven't capitalised on Linfield's errors, but at the same time Linfield haven't pulled away from us. So there's two ways to look at it. We we have slipped up and obviously haven't punished Linfield, but Linfield again haven't pulled away. So we have we just have to keep sticking at it. And if we win on Saturday that'll be nine points taken from the split, nine out of fifteen. It's not it's not a fantastic return, but by all means, it's not a poor return either. One thing that we do know for certain is European football is guaranteed. How much of a boost is that? And I'm sure on a you know as a player as well, it's exciting to be back in the European mix. Yeah, it's massive. My my first two years at Cliftonville, we were we were in Europe the first year. I didn't play the season before and managed to play in Europe, and then the second season we qualify for Europe and take it as a bit of a given that you're going to have that European trip in pre-season or, or um, early July time and you kind of take that, you take that for granted and take in games for granted. You're playing a massive games. You're playing against big teams. Um, getting the experience you probably aren't going to get here locally. So, yeah, it's a massive occasion and it's obviously big for the club financially. You know, a lot's been said about Clifton being part-time and we do. We obviously train um, three nights a week but financially we probably haven't got the, the same strength as some of the other clubs. So, Europe brings brings with it a, a nice uh, bonus as well um, for the club, and I'm sure the club will spend that correctly. But it's a, it's a great it's a great achievement for ourselves to qualify for automatically without having to go through the playoffs. And we probably didn't give it. We probably not many gives us gives us a chance to even qualify for Europe at the start of the year. I don't think anyone probably would attempt this to be in the right where we are. But we identified early on the season that, that we did have a chance. You know, by no means we were naive. We didn't think we were going to be. Um, title contenders, he's going to the last day of the season, but um, we've got there, uh, and we're still there, and we're still kicking, so hopefully things could go, hopefully things go our way on Saturday, but obviously they don't, it's been a great season um, to date. What have preparations been like this week? Have you, I don't know, done any team bonding exercises, or, or has Paddy just been working you into the ground on the training pitch? How have, how have the Reds been building up to uh, you know, one big final push for the Gibson Cup. Um, it's been business as usual. We we haven't really changed anything throughout the whole year, and there's probably no point changing anything. The last week we just did our normal week, Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Um, nothing really changed the training. The same messages were communicated. Um, and as I say, we haven't we haven't done anything this year extravagant. Uh, we probably try to stay as, as down there as possible and, and try not to change things and. I suppose Paddy's views if it's not broke, don't fix it. So we'll just prepare as, as normal for Saturday's game. Go to the game usual time. Don't change anything. No pre-match, etc. Just everyone look after themselves. And and as I say, if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's Paddy's mantra. So hopefully it stands as a good stand on Saturday. Plenty of players uh, have deserved plaudits this season, but I noticed, and I wouldn't have known this had the club not shared it on Twitter on Thursday, but uh, the kit man, Brian Campbell, it's his 15th season in his role at Cliftonville, um, that's some level of commitment. Uh, I know so many people behind the scenes help make a club special. I'm, I'm just wondering uh, what the kit man's contributions have been like and uh, and uh, how, how much apart figures like Brian and others, um, I guess, just help make that club a club that people enjoy being at? Yeah, look, look Brian's absolutely brilliant. He's been great for me since, since I first came to Cliftonville. And he probably could have told you that stat himself because I do actually remember asking him one time and he knew the exact number of games that he's 
he's been involved in it, I don't know if he keeps it himself or someone someone lets him know, but that's a fantastic achievement itself, being there for eight hundred games and I'm not sure, but I can't imagine anyone in the background team has been there longer, apart from me with the dock. Um and and they are a massive part, you know, they they don't get they probably don't get any recognition outside of Cliftonville, but everyone in the dressing room um, really appreciates what they do. And it's not only what they do for us, it's what they bring in a match day. You know, they're always there. It's the same faces. Um, it's that same positive encouragement. And no more, no more so than Brian, the Brian and the Doc. The both, of them are, the both of them are absolutely fantastic. And I think sometimes as well, people don't necessarily think about these sort of things, but having people that really love the club, really want the club to do well, in and involved in different areas it just gets across to the players doesn't it as well you know keeps you grounded about this would mean so much to them if we can do this yeah it is um you obviously don't see that from outside looking at it it's probably only people within the football dress rooms that they really appreciate those sort of people and um brian was the first person probably to be celebrating when we won the league cup and he's been around for some successful times at cliftonville and i don't really think he gets bored of it and you can see how much it means to him and um, Jared Miller's son, Jared is actually in with it as well, and he's a massive Cliftonville fan. Has probably grew up being a Cliftonville fan, and, and it's probably the people like that you don't realise how much it means. That, and when the, time, when the times aren't going great, it actually hurts them probably as much as it hurts players because they are they're obviously Cliftonville fans and Cliftonville people through and through. This season, you know, you've had the League Cup success, knocked out of the semi-final of the Irish Cup. And, and taking it right down to the last day of the Premiership. Uh, it's a strange one to think you might end up with, inverted commas, just one trophy when so many people at one stage were saying challenging for two or three. Uh, do you think no matter what, it's a season you can be proud of or is that difficult to say without knowing what you've got? Um, I suppose it's definitely a season you can be proud of and Cliftonville is a club to be proud of, but... Um, our success will probably be gazed on Saturday, depending on results. And mm-hmm. I know for me personally, and probably the rest of the lads, that if it was just to be the League Cup and uh, a European qualification, and as you said, beat the semi-final of Europe, it would be it would be a it would be a good season, potentially a great season. But um, you have you definitely have an element of disappointment because, as you said, at one stage, although we weren't saying it, we were potentially on for a treble, and, and that that Crusaders game obviously knocked us knocked us out of the Irish Cup, and it. And thankfully, it didn't manage to it didn't manage to stop our momentum. Um, so yeah, as as I say, Saturday will be a good gauge of our success. Uh, it has been a proud season for everyone involved at Cliftonville, none more so than myself. Um, but if we were to win the league on Saturday, that would obviously be the icing in the cake. I know Cliftonville fans' nerves are jangling at this stage, even just listening to us talk about the what if the what if is definitely what kills you in football it's the hope isn't it that always that gets you as much as we're all uh long in the tooth about this it's the thing that the excitement and the belief and it can go one of two ways there'll be uh, lots of emotional people from uh north belfast if you're able to win the gibson cup what would it mean yeah. to you if you're able to do it yeah i think players and fans are quite alike you know a lot of the lads have been a a long time and and uh, have a real affiliation with the club and a real love for the club and, and obviously the fans are Cliftonville through and through um, that excitement's good it's, it's what everyone loves about football and it's that hope that probably everyone loves about football and that year of Covid where the fans weren't in probably wasn't the same for any club um, not just Cliftonville and I think when they came back at the start of the year the start of the season it's really good uh, play all players in the league probably a bit of a lift um, 
we feel lucky enough this year on a number of occasions they sell out uh, games and uh, the League Cup finals probably further evidence of that. There was 11,000 that and it was absolutely brilliant and the Clifton fans have really, really bought into what we've been doing this year. Uh, and as players and as management, we'd love to give them one last thing, one last thing to celebrate on Saturday. Um, as it, as it keeps said, it's out of our hands, but we'll give it our best, and we'll, as we always do. And you just never know in football, stranger things have happened, I suppose. Very well put. Ryan, it's been good to catch up with you. Thank you for coming on to The Score. No problem. Thanks very much for having me, Michael. The Score with Michael Clark. So that's a Cliftonville perspective. Let's not waste any time and get the other part of the equation on the league leaders going into the final day. Linfield and joining us from them, Chris Shields. Chris, great to have you back in the score. Uh, thanks, Michael. Yeah. I mean, this is the position you want to be in, isn't it? You don't want to be chasing on the final day. No, no. It's you know, like I kind of said, you you'd rather go into the final day leading rather than chasing. You know, it's it's in your own hands and. You know yourself and within the squad what you have to do to win the league, so you've no real excuses if it doesn't pan out that way. And it could cap what would be a perfect first season for you in many ways at the Blues. Yeah, it would, it would be the perfect ending, and you know, it was the, the number one on the agenda when I signed is to win the league, and it's, you know, it's a club you want to sign for with ambition like that. And here's hoping that it goes to plan. You know, it's been a, a long season for me. I'm, Kind of playing since last January, didn't really get a break, and straight into with the Blues. So it's a, I'm looking forward to the rest as well. But hopefully, it's a, well. I'm sure it does physically take its toll, but in terms of your performances, it's not showing. You know, you look at a couple of Player of the Month awards. Uh, nice to have on the mantelpiece, but a recognition of how well you have, you know, come into this league and that Linfield team. I'd say. It's been good, it's been enjoyable, you know, but it's made it made easy by the, the people you're surrounded by, you know, the staff and the players have made it really, really easy for me to settle in within the group, you know, within, I'd say, a week or so, you're near embedded in the group as one of the lads, and that goes a long way, because it's been a long time since I've been a new boy in a dressing room, so <laughs> you still have to, no matter how old you are, you kind of have the nerves to see how that's going to go, but it was made incredibly easy by the lads, who, you know, a brilliant dressing room to be involved in. What have you made of the title race itself? Because, you know, for a, a long time, Glen Torm were part of that picture. Recently, they've slipped away. But Cliftonville refused to, you know, keep nipping at your heels, as they have done. Um, certainly, no one's been trying to make it easy for you. But um, to have so many challengers uh, must be uh, quite the experience. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant for the league as well, obviously. <laughs> We would have loved to have it wrapped up before the break or something mad like that. But no, I think it's been a brilliant season for the league. I think you can kind of see from the attendances that maybe people took the lead, league for, for granted before lockdown. And you see post-lockdown since fans have come back in. I think nearly every attendance in the league is up. So I think it goes to show how well the league itself has gone this year. And the title race just kind of epitomises that. You know, like you said, it was a three-horse race for the majority of the year. And then... Torn have just slipped away, saying just after the split. But uh, ourselves and Cliftonville have been a credit to each other. You know, both teams like pushing each other all the way. And as a neutral, I'm sure people would like to see the the title race go to the final day, and it has. So it's just kind of showing how how well both teams have played throughout the year. Do you think the post-split results, uh, and in that I'm referring specifically to you know dropping points, drawing games yourself and Cliftonville, is that 
because the top half is so tight? Or is it because of the stage of the season we're at and the, the pressure of you know nobody wanting to lose a game? No, I think it's I think it's just the quality within the top, say six. I know when I haven't slipped into seven, then they might fight me or beside the the top of the split. It's it's just so tight. You see throughout the year how many times have all of them six teams taken points off each other. You know. There's Colerain with a great win last week. They've beaten us through the year. As I've hit uh, run of form coming into the split. And Colerain had a great win against Glentoran last week. Laren went to the Oval and won. You know, it's never really a clear winner. And that's what I found throughout the year. And I think that's, you know, shows the quality within that. When you, you know, assess it, the final game, Colerain, and you know... As you've just alluded to, you know they've they've been difficult opponents for you this season. What is the the mindset of that match? The mindset it's pretty clear cut. You win the game, you leave. no matter who you are playing, from fourth, from second to twelfth, that's your objective. That's what you need to do, and that's what we have to do. Win the league or win the win the game, you win the league. So there's no real more clear-cut way of putting it, I suppose. You have to have that mindset going in. It's in your hands. We control our fates, essentially. If you win the game, that's that's your job done. So that's the only mindset you kind of have going into the game, no matter the opponents. Obviously, you pay respects to how well Korean has done through the, throughout the year, and I'm sure they'll be wanting to look on a good performance heading into the playoff. The fact that it's in your own hands is, uh, I'm sure, a big relief for your manager. But uh, it's... Interesting, because as obvious as that answer ultimately was, Chris, it shows you, you know, uh, what's required, I guess, to win leagues. You have to have that kind of clinical approach to matches and say, we have to win. There's there's no other standard we can allow ourselves to, to hit here bar winning. Well, that's the kind of standard I've been uh, kind of portrayed to me throughout my first year in Linfield. You're expected to win every game. As it has been throughout the years, but this is the one to win. So you can't let your standards kind of drop, especially at the, given the prize that's on the line at the end of the day. So pretty clear cut, as you said. And you have experience of winning leagues on the final day of the season, if we, we cast our minds back a few years to Dundalk. Yeah, in 2014, ourselves and Cork went head-to-head on the last day. Just how the fixtures fell, we weren't expected to be challenging for the title together, but lo and behold, we were. And you know, Cork were top that day, I think, by a point or two. And it was the same situation: win the game, you win the league. And it was a fantastic experience. That was in 2014, so we're looking to draw on that experience because it's about managing the managing the occasion as well. So they've been there and done that with another team. Hopefully, bring in the experience to this team and hopefully have the same result. Because, you know, when we are analysing games, we talk about the value of experience and, you know, I'm aware we talk about it a lot at times. But as a player, how much advantage do you think it gives you having, you know, been able to draw upon that? Yeah, it can give you a slight advantage because you never know what's going to happen on the day. But to have lads that have been there and done it, you know, there's a bulk of players in there just room that have been and done it, you know, like Jamie Mulgrew, Jimmy Callagher. Maddie Clark, Nell Quinn, Cork Miller, they've all been there and done it with, along with David over the past few years. And you have the likes of myself and a few others that have done it at other clubs. So the draw on that experience, you know, handle the occasion, like I said, because it's 
you know, some of the younger players or whatever might find it a wee bit nervy. But you can't you can't let that happen to you like that. You're just gonna look at what you've done in your career and you've been in positions like this before, so just use that to your advantage on the day. Does it you know, when I'm thinking of this week in particular, because you're coming up to a big game, it's a half five, so you you've a wee bit extra time in your Saturday as well. Does it change any of your routines or habits in the week leading up to a match as crucial as this, or or how do you approach them? No, no, sure. Throughout my year, I've always played quarter to eight games of a Friday, so for me, it's kind of like the norm, whereas the lads would be more used to the three o'clock kickoff. So, no, it doesn't really take away from your preparation. It's another game. We've had plenty of half-fives throughout the year. So whatever you do in your day, people have certain routines. I myself will just, you know, spend it with the family, go for a coffee with them and stuff and kind of relax during the day and then just head on in and can't wait to play the game. So you can't let it do it. You can't really dwell on it too much or you, you might overthink stuff you'd be doing on the Saturday as well, I find. That is an element to it as well. And I suppose different personalities just find that easier to adjust to when you're in those sort of situations. Were you ever... An overthinker, or have you always been pretty cool when it comes to, to handling stuff like that? Maybe early in my early in my career when I wasn't really challenging for stuff. Maybe when I was playing for Bray as an eighteen, nineteen year old, and you're fighting relegation, it's a bit different. But since kind of more or less learning me trade and me position through my years done dark and you know experience and success and how we done it, kind of just became a bit cooler and calmer and realised if, if you panic, your kind of game plan can go out the window, you can get bogged down in silly little things. So, both kind of, for me, I, I remain calm throughout the game and stuff like that and it, it benefits me, whereas some people like to play on the edge. So, like I say, it, it, again, it comes to different personalities now, they like to handle each game. And throughout the season for Linfield, there's been different heroes, some a bit more unsung than others. It seems to be between you and Maddie Clark for the end of season awards. If I can, uh, you know, judge on what I've seen so far. Uh, yeah, I suppose they're nice little kind of t- added bonuses towards the end of the year. You know, Clarky's been brilliant all year. You know, he had a short spell of injury, and you you could see that you know, you miss him in the team because he's again he's an experienced head for the age when he's only 27 28 but he gets on like a 40 or 50 year old and trying to moaning and off the pitch moaning but you need them type of characters but he's had he's been a brilliant year he's popped up with some big goals some big performances and you know he, he knows what it means around Linfield to be winning these leagues and you know he nobody enjoys it more than himself when he does do that as well so it's a kind of credit to him as well and I've, I've had a decent year and I've enjoyed doing it as well in the first half of the season, you had Christy Manzinga like a house on fire for goals. In the second half, it's like in case of emergency break last, Nathan Devine shall appear. <laughs> yeah, you know, Christy's had a good year, and then all of a sudden, after kind of the new year, say February time, being suspension, and then uh, niggling injuries that can happen, you know, he's, he's found his on pitch time limited because he's trying to get back and he might break down again. But Ethan, Ethan's been a, a revelation, you know, since he came in. I'm sure people raised an eyebrow when he was signed. and I think he's gone to show why the manager put so much faith in him. And he's just this type of player that I don't think anything would, bo- would bother him for such a young man, you know, 21. And he just has this, this attitude where I don't think he'd be aware of too much around to be bothered. So these, <laughs> these are the type of good young lads we have within the squad as well. And, you know, he's played such a massive part in the, the points we have on the board at this stage in the season. But I think every goal has been a big goal for him. For us and him. And finally, for the amount you have put into this campaign, because as you said, 
it's been a long run for you because you, you haven't had that break in between um, since joining the club. Just how much would it mean to get your hands in the Gibson Cup, having put so much time and energy and effort into it, along with your teammates, of course? Yeah, no, I think I was talking to Ricky, the uh, sports scientist, and stuff. I think I'm approaching 60-something games, given the start of <laughs> last January with Dundalk, and I'm playing all the way through Europe and most of the competitions with Linfield, so be an overdue rest, but it would be, you know, one of the, probably one of the kind of proudest achievements in my career today because it's, it was something new, it was, you know, a new team, new league, new something, so to go in the league with kind of so much adversity we've had throughout the year, you know, we've had a lot of injuries and we've ground out results in, say, the winter stages of the season, which people might have thought we wouldn't have, and maybe playing, going to a match with kind of 12 fit players at times as well, which a lot of people wouldn't have known. So to, to cap it off with a league win would be, you know, absolutely fantastic. And I'm hoping for everybody involved with the club, that's, that's what we do Saturday. You're younger than me, so I don't want to paint you as old, but how, how are you holding up? Because 60-odd games sounds absolutely horrendous. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like an NBA season, but I'm hanging on by a thread, and all I know is I have one more big push, and I have that in me at least, and then I can, you know, sit in the deck chair for a for a summer or so, and I'll be fine. <laughs> Good man. Well, you'll certainly have earned it come the close of play tomorrow, and uh, be interesting to see how it all pans out. But thank you uh, for coming on to this show, Chris Shields. No worries. Thanks, Michael. The score with Michael Clark. Earlier this week, it was certainly cause for celebration for fans and players, management alike, of Raff Ryland Rangers when they, for the first time in their 60-year history, were crowned champions of the Intermediate Cup in what was a very good final at Windsor Park against Armagh City. The gaffer is on now, Ali Wilson. Ali, good to talk to you. Same to you, Michael. couple of days on. Has it sunk in yet, what you've achieved? Um, uh, Maybe not. You know, the night, the game, everything's super. But I suppose, you give yourself a couple of days after, you, you start reflecting on things, yeah? So, look, probably it's starting to sink in a wee bit now. In terms of heading into that match against Armagh City, you know, their Premier Intermediate League club, I'm sure you'll have done your homework on them and played them twice in the in the last year as well and narrowly beaten on both occasions. So I suppose you knew what you were up against. Yeah, I guess, look, very much so. Um, to be fair, the first time around they played us was probably only my third game in charge and it was a wee bit complicated because it was finishing off the ball Rockcliffe and you could only play the players that play, were registered that season. So it was a bit of a free one, to be honest. But we played them in the semi-final of the ball Rockcliffe this year and to be honest, they were really good against us and they beat us 3-1. Um, and you know a lot of people said, "Oh, I didn't think Rapaland played great," but I think credit Armagh they were they were excellent against us in the semi final and they beat us, and they, they disturbed to beat us. So we knew we had to change the way we played a wee bit to accommodate that. Um, especially they like they like playing their full backs very high and they they will press you very well and their wide men will come in. And we knew that, so we, we were able to change a wee bit. And the fact that we changed our style a wee bit was out of respect towards Armagh. Um, because they were, as I said, I thought they were excellent against us in the semi-final. So certainly we maybe set in a wee bit more than what we usually do at our own level. Um, and luckily it, it paid off. 
there were occasions in the match where you you know had to rely on uh, every player to do their job and, and certainly one of the standouts for me was your goalkeeper Brian McMullen in the second yeah. half in particular he made three or four very crucial saves yeah and at big times as well um, I think at nil-nil um, I think Mullen he made a really good save yeah. from him but I think the best save was from McConnell I think the ball came over and he hit it on the half volley and yeah it, it was probably the pick of the saves but to be fair to Brian he's, he's come in from in around December time and we've been lucky because we've Johnny Parr as well um, but from the turn of the year Johnny's been injured Brian got in and he's Stayed in a merit, you know, his performances have been excellent for us. And as you said, you know, he come up trumps at the right time on Tuesday night. That save that you picked out, I have to say, it would have been my pick of the bunch as well. The agility to get down with his right hand and, and push that uh, beyond the post. I, I just yeah. didn't give him a chance to do it. Anyone that saw it, Mark McConnell's technique in that volley is perfect. You're going, well, this is yeah. arrowing into the bottom corner. And, um, well, you must have been mightily relieved when you saw him get a big palm to it. Yeah, yeah. From. There were, I don't think I appreciated how good the save was until I watched it afterwards. At the time, I remember thinking, that's a good save. But then I watched it after and went, that's a top, top save. Mm-hmm. No, it's a really, really good bit of goalkeeping. And uh, as much as the goalkeeping does deserve praising, uh, so does the finishing. My goodness, two absolute screamers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, Ross has got one in his locker. You know, one in every 40 hits, he usually hits the target. <laughs> and, you know, if you're going to hit one, you might as well hit it in the final. But, now nah, look, Ross has got a great left foot. And, you know, it's funny, Ross is probably better further out. So, you know, I, I fancied him definitely to hit the target. And I think, looking back again at the time, I thought, mm, should the keeper save that? And then if I think if you see it, it actually goes round the defender, you know, to def- defend the goalkeeper a wee bit. It goes out round him and just, like, he hits it as straight as it come. And then the second goal, I mean, it had everything. There was a bit of strength in the build-up <laughs> play to it. And then you've got the, the step over and then the sort of the rocket finish, if you like, to send it flying from Fitzpatrick. And Byrne definitely could get nowhere near that one. Yeah, and again, you watch things after. Um, at the time, I remember thinking, fig me. Because I remember the goalkeeper didn't move. Uh-huh. And then you watch it afterwards. I don't think he could have went anywhere. I think I, the tap over was brilliant. And then the finish was just like, it's, it's different class. You say about changing your style to to suit the occasion. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that you need to do that for, for lots of opposition, especially when yeah. you're coming up against strong sides like that. But what impressed yeah. me, and I don't mean to patronise you on this, is that you stuck with your guns, though, in terms of that front three. And I know they've been doing you well all season, and that, that's why, you know, you're in that sort of position to win a cup final. But you easily could come into a game like this and think, is three up top a bit much? Well, to be fair, yeah, Big Lee Newell, who plays down the middle and does so, so well for us. It can, in fairness, he can drop in centre-half, and on Saturday he started the game at centre-half for us. But I just felt that it takes so much away from us whenever he plays at the back. And we just felt at Windsor it would nearly be a playground for the big man because he's so mobile and strong. And we just sort of gambled on trying to give our man enough to worry about to ease us at the back because we were missing Danny Devlin and Ryan Johnson have, have been our centre-half parent for most of the season. So we were without them. Um, so we sort of did say, listen, we might as well have a go on the front foot. And we knew if we had the front three, it would probably ease pressure on the back four. 
what was it like coming into Windsor Park, you know, in the build-up to that game? Because they had your name up, they had pictures of the team up on the walls. It's the things that maybe fans don't see or realise, but it must fill you full of pride. Yeah, no, in fairness, yeah, you can't play it down either. It was, you come in, you obviously, yeah, the pictures of the teams are up around it. And, you know, fair play to the AFA, it was, couldn't have done any more. It was, the whole occasion, everything around it, you know, was was brilliant. Um, but yeah, and and I was conscious of the boys not getting, you know, too deemed in. That it was a day out, and you know, yes, you have to take everything in. But finals are there. You don't remember any of it if you get beat, mm-hmm. you know. And I was I was conscious of that at the time. But listen, you know, you're lucky now. You can look at that. You take that all in because you'll remember the whole day because we won. Well, you most certainly will, and. You know, outside of the the football aspect of it itself, it was a very good final, and you know, credit to Armagh City. I think the wind was had totally left their sails after that second goal, but up until then, they'd made it a good contest. But after the match, the, the trophy left a very special moment, something poignant and a classy touch. I felt from Ralph Ryland Rangers. Um, for anyone that missed it, maybe you can tell us a, a bit about what you did and why. Um. Yeah, but in fairness, I don't expect anything less from Ross Black and Andy Kilmartin. Um, after the final whistle went, um, Morel, who, who does the kit for us, um, has been on well. Um, he was been in Manchester there for six, seven weeks um, with chemo and radiology. Um, so he, he was going through it a wee bit. Um, so he's been home now for two, three weeks. He was um, hospital for a week as well whenever he come home. But it, like he's, we all love him at the club. Um, doesn't miss games, doesn't miss training, does anything for the boys. You know, he's only 19, 20 years of age. Um, so once the final whistle went, Andy and Ross come to me and says, listen, we want Morel to lift the trophy. And I said, brilliant. I said to Ross, and I said, listen, use a young kid's family in the stand as well. They said, no, I want Morel to lift the trophy. And I was like, brilliant, no problem. And they said, we'll go along the house. So whenever we pulled him, um, he was a wee bit weary, but... Well, he said he was weary, but then if you see the pictures, he absolutely, he absolutely milked it, you know. <laughs> it didn't take him long to get into the spirit of it, because I, I noticed initially when they were lining them up for the pictures, Ross was man of the match, uh, great for the captain to be man of the match too, and they're getting their pictures, and Morel was kind of behind the trophy, and Ross pulled him out to say, no, no, you're not hiding here. But I think that was the only time he needed encouragement once they were pouring champagne. He was bouncing about and, and loving life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 he knows Um I think that'll be his pictures all over the place. So, in fairness, the big man will look the occasion as well. <laughs> Do you know what, though? It can sound like a cliche, but it shows you really just uh, what an amazing effect football has on all of us. Yeah, without doubt. Listen, we've all been worried about him. Um, we've all tried to stay in touch with him as much as we can. You know, and Rocky's on the phone most days whenever he was away, you know, and the boys have been great with him. Everybody stays in touch. Um, but, no, listen, I think it's brilliant what we achieved as a football club, as a team. But I think my highlight is, and I, and I spoke to you earlier on, you know, there's a, a two-minute clip of the highlights. And I think your commentary, um, everything around it, and him going up to lift the trophy, maybe probably the highlight of the whole night 
Well, that's a really kind thing for you to say, and I really genuinely appreciate you saying that, so thank you very much. No problem. Um, just in case anybody isn't aware of uh, what's left in terms of what's at stake for Rough Island Rangers in the remainder of your campaign, uh, bring us up to speed, please. Um, we have a game Saturday, next um, home to Cromwell Saturday, and then we have Dariaki at home on the Tuesday, and then we have Killyley on the Thursday, and then Cromwell Star on the Saturday, and then Schenkel twice. So at the minute, we need 10 points to win the league. Um, so yeah, we're we're still well well in the league. So, you know, we're still in, still well in touch with everything. Yes, a chance to, to win the title. And, I mean, you've made no bones about it. Promotion, that's the, the long-term goal here, isn't it? To, to, to try and raise the levels at Rough Island. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and it's, it's like anything, the club have put a really good infrastructure in place. Um, you know, our, our ground now, um, with, again, every time you come to Rough Island, there seems to be a digger there because they're always improving. They're always doing something, you know. So we have a club there now that's probably at the stage where it needs to maybe kick on. Um, if it happens this year, it happens. If it doesn't, you know, we will keep building, keep trying um, to move forward. But, yeah, I think if you start any campaign, you need a challenge. And, you know, at the start of the season, as long as you, you challenge it, Island, you know, not that it's okay, but that's where you need to be. If it's the Border Cup, the Bob Ratcliffe, the Intermediate Cup, or the Amateur League, well, as long as you're challenging them, and we certainly are at the moment. And I said this in commentary, but it, uh, you know it is true. I was speaking to a couple of players from the Premiership and saying, you know, lads, these are full time. Um, how how are you feeling playing a couple of games a week? And they were saying that you know at this stage of the season, as much as they're loving it, it's certainly taking its toll. I says, well. What about Ralph Ryland playing four? <laughs> and the, some of them couldn't believe it. And, you know, neither could I when I initially realised it myself. It obviously does take a serious physical toll and no injuries have been an issue recently. But how are you managing to get through that? You know, is it just about? Yeah, to be fair, um, like even at the final, Greener, who's my second manager, was on the bench. Um, we... We we have we we've definitely been late. We've been really unlucky there recently. We've lost two big big players for us. Um, so we are we are late, but you can't dwell on it too much either because then you start feeling sorry for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the amateur league probably could have helped us a wee bit. You know, the league doesn't need to be over until the end of I think it's the twenty something of May. Like we are going to be finished before the fourteenth, so. Okay, you know, I thought they might have given us wee bits of gaps in between, but on the other side of that, Crumlin Carr have done this before. You know, I don't know if they've done it as, you know, as hectic as what we have had it, but like it's definitely challenging. But if you're winning games, it it might might help, might make you feel a wee bit more fresher. And the last thing on it, Ali, as well, compared to where we were with no football for so long for, for teams at your level and, and most teams in Northern Ireland and beyond, it must just be brilliant to be playing. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's massive. Um, even there on Saturdays, and it's funny, you know, we have a lot of kids around our club and you finish a game on a Saturday and there's maybe 20 young kids on the pitch, my young fella included, 
And you're just like, this is what it's about. There's people back in clubhouses. There's people getting a pint with each other again. You know, there's so much around football. You know, and I know as a cliche, people like saying it's a community club, but certainly at places like Rift Island, there's maybe older men and different people that don't leave the house only for football on a Saturday. It plays such a, a big part in people's lives. Um, and just uh, seeing people back enjoying it again and seeing so many young faces enjoy themselves at the cup final was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was prepping for this game, the other thing that, that came into my mind was your record. And I'm, I'm looking in terms of goals scored. I know you even scored on the route to the final in the <laughs> in the cup. So I thought I'd get that in on your behalf. Uh, but 53 goals in a season is, uh, is some going. I don't know how you did that. I know you got one less, I think it was the season before that, was it? So yeah. so um, that that is, you know, something that I think most strikers would blush when they see. I know there's a, a couple of great goal scorers, three very good goal scorers at your club who are probably all looking at that and thinking, we've that in our sights the next season or two. Adam Neal's about 36 <laughs> this year. I mean, is anyone going to ever do it? Well, I'm lucky I'm manager, so I'll make sure nobody ever does it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I certainly wouldn't want Adam Neal to do it. <laughs> so when head's big enough. Um Leon Rory I could probably deal with doing it. But um no, listen, the front three have been superb for us. Um and as I always say to them, like your striker to go win us games and that's in fairness, all three of them have stepped up and won us games and really important times they've done it for us this season. You know, and yeah, no full credit to them and like there's midfielders have chipped in at big times as well, but like if you're a striker, you get your name in the paper. As you well know, uh, I can only dream of that sort of thing. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm hopeless in front of goal. Uh, Ali, pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on to the score. Brilliant, Michael. Thank you. The score with Michael Clark. The thoughts of Rough Ryland Rangers manager Ali Wilson and congratulations once again to him and his team. Now let's turn our attention back to the Danske Bank Premiership, shall we? And I know there's so many interesting stories that you could still run through even on the final day. We know Warren Point Town will be relegated, but Portadown, how are they going to fare in their relegation playoff promotion on the other hand available to Anna United although it isn't mathematically a formality yet it pretty much is let's be honest Newry City are going to be champions of the championship Uh, we'll cover that base we'll also give you thoughts on the title race and what a race it has been with the help of this man welcome back on to the program sports journalist Mark McIntosh Mark good to talk to you as always good to speak to you Michael you well I'm doing very well thank you how are you very good, mate. Looking forward to tomorrow. Well, isn't everybody? Uh, where are you going to be, need I ask? Probably not. Um, I'm going to go to Windsor. I made a decision a couple of weeks ago that um, whoever was going into the last game of the season, top of the table, um, that's where I would go. And the good thing, obviously, is that Windsor and the Oval aren't too far apart. So if I needed to get myself to the Oval, if Cliftonville were to win the league, I can get there quite quickly. I imagine... Taxi firms are hoping there's going to be some last-minute drama one way or another. They'll be ready. Uh, do you think the Northern Ireland Football League are, are going to be relying on one of those taxi firms rather than a helicopter? I would like to think so. I think a helicopter journey would take about three seconds. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think the, the Gibson Cup's actually going to be based um, in the centre of Belfast um, throughout the day, I think, you know, for the morning and everything. And then I think there's going to be a, a police escort takes it from the uh, the head office of Danske Bank to whatever 
stadium it needs to go to, either Windsor Park or the Oval. I mean, let's face it, on final day, the Gibson Cup has had more hectic diversions than what they may experience here. Absolutely. It's just, it's just been absolutely fascinating though, hasn't it? It's been just incredible. And, it, you know, we, we talk about the, the drama and all these sorts of things, and particularly, uh, you know, us in the media, we love the drama because it's something for us to really uh, get our teeth into. And, and for supporters, it's, it's probably agonizing because they just want it to be over and want to be on the right end of the story. But it, it does seem to be that this league of ours tends to go down to the wire. Uh, I got a, on this day on my phone, popped up, yesterday uh, reminding me about four years ago where the top two went into the final day equal on points so you know we're not in new territory here it, it does tend to be a nail-biting league it really does you know and, and we've seen even since then that the league's got tighter as well and i think the, the big thing for this season was that you know for quite a while there were a lot of teams involved in it and obviously three including glenn torren until very recently as well so look i think most supporters want their team to win the league as soon as possible but for for anybody else they want to see things like this go down to the the final day and you know i i don't think there's going to be a procession either way tomorrow you know i i wouldn't be surprised if we go down to the last few minutes of the season um it's just been that type of season let me get the old cynical question out of the way first because uh what would be football without some cynicism are we likely to see either of Linfield or Cliftonville's opponents putting out youngsters, the reserves, anything like that? Well, look, you don't know. Um, I actually have a bit of a problem with people even, you know, hammering clubs for doing things. Like, the simple fact is, you have a squad, so it's entirely up to a manager how he manages that squad. And if he sees fit, so for, for argument's sake, if Oren Kearney has one eye on the, on, on the playoffs and w- wants to to bring in some younger players and rest some of his experienced players, then who is anyone to tell him that he can't do that? He has a squad available to him. And likewise for any other manager, you know, certainly the likes of Stephen Baxter maybe got a little bit of criticism for making eight changes for the Linfield game, but I think he's perfectly entitled to do that. And it was still a very strong side and they gave Linfield a hell of a game. So, um, look, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened, but um, I, I don't think that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, you know, come half seven or whatever, you know, tomorrow night. I think, I personally believe both sides will actually go and, and win, um, which will mean a title for Linfield. But like I said, I don't think it's going to be a procession. I think there's going to be a lot of twists and turns throughout the evening. I mentioned this on the programme last week, but Linfield have more points this season than they did last year. And the reason I bring that up, one, it shows you how far Cliftonville have pushed them. But the other point, there's been a wider conversation about how good or not so good Linfield have been this year and yet despite the changes of personnel on the pitch they've managed to go into the final day a point better off and uh, and, and you know in a stronger position than they were last year yeah look I have to say it's actually winding me up quite a lot um, in probably the last six weeks several people have said to me you know oh, it's the worst Linfield side in years I'm like well how, how can we on one hand keep talking about the league's getting better the league's getting more competitive but then if you say that that's the worst Linfield side in years and they're still top of the table, you know, they're going to end tomorrow's final round of fixtures, top of the table, favourites to win the title. You know, I think it's a very unfair thing to say. Um, but uh, you just hinted at it there. You just touched on it a little bit. The fact that you had Cliftonville pushing them all the way and you've had Glenn Torn pushing them as well, um, I, I think that's made Linfield better. It's made certainly Cliftonville better. Uh, it's made for a much better, more exciting league. 
people maybe on the face of it looking at Corey and his Linfield's opponents will be thinking, if we base this on recent form, I know they won their last game against Glen Torren and they, they performed very well in that match by all means. But it's been a really bumpy ride for Oren Kearney's side lately and that's no secret. Um, I wonder, however, whether that goes out the window when you look at the performance typically of Coleraine against Linfield. I mean, they drew one all at Windsor Park in September. They beat them 3-0 at the showgrounds in, in January and they tend to give Linfield difficult games. Yeah, I mean, they certainly can. And look, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, the, if that's what happened tomorrow. But I think looking at it from a Linfield perspective, you know, Linfield and Cliftonville have both drawn three of their four games since the split. So you can tell that there's a little bit of the pressure getting to them, possibly. Um, I think the concern for Linfield tomorrow would be that they haven't been clinical enough since the split. You know, they're st- they're not conceding a great amount of goals, but they're they're really struggling to score. And, you know, obviously they've had to rely on, you know, the late goals from Ethan Devine. And they've been absolutely huge for Linfield. But if Linfield can find any sort of cutting edge up front tomorrow, um, I don't think they would have too much to worry about. I think David Healy at uh, one of the supporters' awards dues uh, put Ethan Devine forward as the young player of the year. It's probably no surprise, to be honest, is it, that people are ranting and raving about him. What an impact he has made, seemingly in every game he's been involved in. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. And, you know, I think when Linfield signed him in, in January, there were a few eyebrows raised. You know, what's David Healy doing, bringing in a, a young striker from Knockbreda? You know, how is he going to help Linfield win the league? Um, but you only have to look at what he's done. You know, so many crucial goals, you know, late winners, you know, two against Crusaders, one against Warren Point, And perhaps even the biggest one was the, the late equaliser at Solitude against Cliftonville, which obviously took points off the Reds that night as well. Um, and look, if he was the one that popped up with the goal to win the league tomorrow, no one would be surprised. But I think we just need to get ready maybe to replace that George Best statue outside <laughs> Windsor Park with one of Ethan Devine. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's got a surname that headline writers uh, love right away anyway, doesn't he? I know. I, th- I think we're all running out of ideas now. I think we've used most of them. <laughs> Looking at uh, David Healy, uh, what do you think his mindset is going to be coming in here? I mean, this is this is territory that's very familiar for Linfield and for him. Um, the, the last number of years have shown that. Is this final day any different than previous years, do you imagine? No, I don't think so. I think that Linfield just have to play it the way they always do. You know, they've been here so many times. You know, David Healy's certainly been there so many times in his short managerial career. Um, and they have to treat it like any other game. Because I think when you when you veer off from that, then you run the risk of maybe doing things that you wouldn't normally do. And that normally leads to problems on the pitch. So I, I think he'll be telling them, look, this is just another game. It's another three points. And, you know, they are in that good position that they know if they go out there, look after themselves, win the game, then they're champions. I brought this up with Ryan Curran at the start of the programme. It, it's funny in terms of how Cliftonville might be perceived come the end of the campaign. And this is true of Linfield as well, because if they win the league, we're talking about you know another successive title for Linfield and what an achievement. And to, you know, to, to better a very good Cliftonville side and with all the challenges in the league, etc, etc, etc. If they don't win it, then it goes back to well, we told you this Linfield team wasn't as good as other years, yada, yada, yada. You could even argue, to an extent, there's that sort of fine line for Cliftonville. If it's just one trophy when they were in a position to potentially go and win three versus winning their first Gibson Cup in, you know, what was it, eight years? There's 
villain hero is such a small margin here. Look, good, the good thing for Clevenville is I, I don't think anyone expected them to be in the title race. You know, they were hoping to qualify for Europe by hook or by crook at the start of the season. You know, they've managed to do that already. You know, they've got the League Cup already in the bag. And if that's how it ended for them, it would still be a very successful season. You know, they've been the fairy tale story in the Premiership this year because no one would have given them a prayer at the start of the season, certainly to take it into the last day. Um, my, my only slight concern for Clevenville is, you know, they've been playing catch-up um, for most of the run-in now. And, you know, we've seen now they've had two opportunities to overtake Linfield in recent weeks and they haven't been able to get over the line. But, you know, while everybody will say no matter what happens tomorrow, it's still been a fantastic season for Cliftonville. When you get this close and if you were to fall the final hurdle, you know, maybe that can have a bit of an impact. But I, I think the most important thing for Cliftonville to do, no matter what happens, is, let, you know, let's cast our minds back a year. Um, I remember being at Inver Park for the, the playoff final and you had Lawrence celebrating, you know, qualifying for Europe for the first time. And, you know, it was party, party night at Inver Park. Whereas in the Cliftonville dressing room, you had Paddy McLaughlin in tears. The players were distraught. You know, they didn't qualify for Europe. And here we are a year later. Cliftonville are in Europe, could possibly win the title. And Lauren weren't even in the title race. It just shows you how quickly football can change. That's a really, really good point. Looking at how quickly football can change as well, that third spot is not Glentoran's yet. A point will make it theirs, but they're three points ahead of Crusaders going into this final round of fixtures with an identical goal difference now in terms of for and against it varies. So they they have the advantage on goals for, but it's not going to come down to that. So we don't really need to worry about it. Are Crusaders going to leapfrog Glentoran? Do you get that sense? Let's let's get your thoughts on, uh, I suppose, the two fixtures, Glentoran Cliftonville and Crusaders Larn. Well, when, when I look at the Glentoran Cliftonville fixture, the Glens have had a nightmare sort of six weeks, you know, since the, the Irish Cup debacle. Um, and, and I think I've said before, you know, I, I totally understand why Glentoran fought their corner. You know, they certainly thought they had a strong case. But it's no coincidence since that happened that the wheels have come flying off. Um, you know, the Glens were joint top of the table and in an Irish Cup semi-final, you know, just six weeks ago. Um, and since then, like, they can't even buy a win. And, you know, going to Coleraine last week and, you know, Coleraine were in exactly the same position, probably in worse form, but they managed to get a victory. And it probably said a lot more about how Glen Torn are playing at the moment than it did actually even about Coleraine. Um, so I, I think the Glens will be up against it. But the simple fact is they know they need a result too. You know, you know, Glentorn fans will be furious. You know, they, they they thought they were going to be in a title race. We all thought they were in a title race until just a few weeks ago. But they now run the risk of finishing fourth in a three-horse race, you know, which would just be absolutely ridiculous. Um, but they'll be doing everything to win the game. And I know a lot of people think, oh, you know, the Glens won't want Linfield winning the league. Um, I wouldn't pay any attention to that whatsoever. Um, but they're going to be up against it. Um, and if I look at the other game, you know, the crews are the side with all the momentum. You know, they've been, sort of the last two months, they've been the real standout team. Some unbelievable performances. You know, they're scoring goals from all over the pitch. Um, and, you know, I, I would expect the crews to win and put that little bit of pressure on the Glens. It's 
a tough one to call, I think, looking at it. You know, Lauren have been really hard to beat, unbeaten in their last four, and I'm aware three of those are draws. But having seen a bit of them, um, it seems like they've changed their style a little bit. It's more about being hard to beat first and then worrying about what they do at the other end. And maybe they're just trying to reimagine things. I don't know. Or maybe they might just say they've been hard games. But I think looking at them, they have found a way to shore up at the back, which has been a problem for them at, at different times. Yeah, I think the big thing is I've seen two of their nil-nil draws in the last, uh, I think, two of their last three games I've watched. And I would say it's more even that you can see the confidence is coming back to the players. And that's something, you know, there's no doubt in the quality that Lauren have. Um, But, you know, confidence drained from them when we went through a really sticky patch, you know, like even maybe sort of six weeks ago or whatever. Um, But players... Big game players are now starting to perform a bit. And certainly the day when they drew 0-0 at Cliftonville, they had the better chances to win the game. And, you know, again, last Saturday, um, Davey McDade had an unbelievable chance to win it for Lauren quite late on as well. Um, So Lauren are certainly playing better. But I think the big thing is, you know, all eyes will be on what team Crusaders put out. Because obviously they've got an Irish Cup final to look forward to after but I just think momentum's with them they're playing well you know and like I mentioned the Linfield game earlier you know a couple of weeks ago they lost the game 2-1 but there wasn't much in it you know the crew still played very well um, and I would, I would expect no matter what team they put out tomorrow they'll be playing well and you know they've got so many goals around the pitch um, just moving things on a bit, because you mentioned the Irish Cup final, uh, congratulations to Ballymena United and commiserations in equal measure to Newry City. It was a single goal, what done it, and not a bad goal from Stephen McCulloch. Um, he, apparently there was some harsh words said at halftime, and he thought the best way to come out in the second half would be to bend one into the top corner. So uh, that's one way to respond, isn't it? It really is. You know, we were having a laugh with him after the game on, on Tuesday night. He was telling us that him and David Jeffrey had a few raised voices um, in the dressing room. You know, David thought he maybe wasn't doing certain things and he gave the ball away four times in a row. And um, But look, that that's the best way. Go out. You've listened to your manager. You know, even if you're wanting to prove him wrong, stick him on the top corner is exactly the way to do it. And, you know, we've seen Stephen McCulloch do that several times. And it was great for him because he's got an awful record when it comes to finals. And, you know, this is something about wanting to put right. You know, he was suspended for a final before. He was left out of a Glentorn Irish Cup final squad. You know, he's lost finals with Ballymena. Um, so it, his luck certainly due to turn. The Northern Ireland Football League put out a document explaining how the playoffs work. If anyone is still uncertain, you can go online and you can, you can find that on their website. Uh, essentially, it all depends somewhat anyway, on who wins the Irish Cup. Uh, if Ballymena United win it, there's obviously a need of a quarter-final first, sixth versus seventh, before we get into the semi-finals and then the final, which means uh, the fixtures won't be completed, if you like, until the 17th of May, whereas if Crusaders win the Irish Cup, it'll all be over by Friday the 13th, no less. What a nice night to decide your fate. Um, <laughs> that, that did give me a, a bit of a wry smile, but if we focus on the promotion relegation playoff mark uh, because that is uh, next week Tuesday um, will be at Anna and then Friday is going to be at Portadown the pressure is always on the premiership team here and plenty will say with two legs the advantage is with them as well 
Yeah, look, the pressure is always on the Premiership team, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, and like I said about Cliftonville, you know, Anna's story this season has been a fairy tale. You know, again, I don't think anyone would have thought at the start of the season they'd be up there challenging. Um, the only thing is, you know, from what I can gather, I, I haven't seen much of Anna this season, but, you know, in recent times, results have been up and down. Um, but let's remember that they have a lot of experience in that squad too. You know, like proper experience of, you know, the likes of Niall Henderson, Ryan Harper, you know, boys have, have played at a very good level. Um, and, you know, they will have experienced, you know, th- these high-pressure days as well. So, uh, you know, I, I think Anna will be ready for this. And I think all the danger is with Portadown. You know, they haven't had a good season. You know, there was a little bit of a a, a, a turn in fortunes when, when Paul Doolan got his feet under the table. Um, but in more recent times, you know, they kind of, I think they've kind of slacked off again. And um, I, I think that one's actually just impossible to call. Um, and I just worry for Portadown that, you know, because all of the pressure is on them, a lot of outside people will be expecting, because they're the team with the experience of the top flight, that, that they'll get the job done. And it may turn out like that, but a bit like tomorrow's title race, I don't think it'll be straightforward. I, I, I think... You know, they'll certainly go into the second leg with all to play for. You just could write nothing off at this stage, could you? There, because there seems to be a bit more of a rivalry, um, I would put it there, you know, out there between the two teams and maybe what there has been down through the years. When I, you know, think way back, I can think of Anna playing and, and you know, kits provided by Portadown and things like that. And there seemed to be a bit more of a closeness, not just geographically, because it is only round the corner. But it feels like now there's a bit more of a grudge match going on. Well, probably, well, you know, there's an awful lot to play for now, you know, and maybe for many years, you know, it's not like they were ever, like they can never be proper rivals on the pitch because they were light years apart. That's no longer the case. You know, everyone at Anna deserves so much credit for what they've done this season. Um, like I said, no one would have given them a prayer at the start of the season, even to be in this conversation about potentially being promoted. I think the, the only sad thing is if, of course, they do go up, that you know they've already designated the Coleraine Showgrounds for their home games, which you know a 140-mile round trip isn't particularly great, but I don't think they'll be caring too much about that if they actually get promotion. Well, I was, I was wondering on that point, that it's obviously been published now and that's what they've done and it's been accepted can they go back and change that because there had been a suggestion that they might look at stangmore park was stangmore is uh going to put down an artificial surface um i i think there there is a possibility of them being able to change the designation and they have to to give a specific ground i think it was by the end of january um so that's when that was done um I'm not too sure when the deadline is of when you would have to finally designate. Um, I think now that the fact that the licenses have been given out, you may not be able to change, although I could stand to be corrected on that one. But like I said, look, if they won promotion, I don't really think that would matter. You know, if it was just for one season, you know, the highs of being on the top flight, I think would see them through that. Uh, mind you, I'm sure all the people behind the scenes in the club are going, we could do without the petrol bill. <laughs> I would say so, especially at the minute. <laughs> What's this base with Stangmore? I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe not possible, but um, it was something that I, I heard suggested, so uh, it might be nothing more than a whisper. There's plenty of those this time of the season. Won't be long till we're all reading about uh, which players signed for two or three different clubs. <laughs> <laughs> silly, Silly season is upon us.
Well, that's uh, the, the final thing. I was, well, I want, I want to get your thoughts on Yuri, I suppose, first before I ask you about Silly Season. So let's just make sure I don't gloss over them because they will be crowned champions here on Saturday. They, they had to officially wait to the last day to, to get the job done, as it were, but it's been it's been pretty much in the bag for a wee while now. Let's, let's be honest. Um, how impressed have you been with them? Because looking at their two games against Premiership opposition in, in Glentoran and Ballymena, they certainly haven't been you know, blown away. Yeah, and like I, I didn't see the game against Glentorn in the quarterfinal of the Irish Cup, but by all accounts, Newry did very well, and there, were, there wasn't much between the sides, and you know the results showed that. Um, but I, I was impressed with with how they played against Palomina. You know, for the first half, to me, they were the only side in the game. Um, I think the only problem in, in the cup semi final was that they never really tested Jordan Williamson in the Palomina goal. Um, I think, you know, they, they had John McGovern, who, of course, is an All-Ireland Under-21 international. He was the best player on the pitch, and um, probably closely followed by, by Noel Healy as well, who had a great game and, by all accounts, an unbelievable season. Um, so I think there's a lot to be positive about with Newry, and I have to say their fans never shut up from about half an hour before the game to half an hour after the game. And, you know, I would like to think that they will actually bring something to the party next year as well you know and I think on the pitch I'm sure Darren Mullen won't need me to tell him that you know they probably will have to strengthen their squad considerably um, to, to avoid maybe you know trying to be away from a relegation scrap next year when they go up but I, I think there's plenty of quality players I think the big challenge for, for Darren now is to keep hold of those players because I'm sure some of the, the premiership vultures will come looking for them <laughs> That is without doubt and uh, we're, we haven't quite reached silly season yet, but I'm just wondering, Mark, how much are you looking forward to a little break uh, come the end of the campaign? Um, I can't wait for a little <laughs> break. Trying to find out when that little break is going to be is is something else. You know, we, we've got, it seems to be like about 300 playoff games. We've got the Irish Cup final. Um, I also have the Scottish Cup final coming up um, because obviously we have uh, Liam Boyce and Stephen Davis involved in that. Um, so then hopefully there'll be a little break then before the Women's Euros and certainly Northern Ireland's Nations League games as well Oh dear, you're making me need to lie down <laughs> I've been kidding myself <laughs> that I'm about to have a summer <laughs> No, uh, I, I, I would scrap that <laughs> I should really know better by now uh, Mark, as always, uh, great to have you on the show throughout the season Always value your opinions on the game and I look forward to seeing uh, how the final day, I think just like everybody else, is going to unfold. It will be an absolute belter. Uh, Mark McIntosh, thanks for coming on to The Score. No problem, Michael. The Score with Michael Clark. And that brings us to the end of this bumper edition of The Score here on the final weekend of the Danske Bank Premiership. It isn't the final weekend of the show, however. We'll be back for our season finale next week when we are previewing the Irish Cup final between Ballymena United and Crusaders. That is definitely one to look forward to. But before I go, thank you to Chris Shields, to Ryan Curran, to Ali Wilson and Mark McIntosh and you for listening. All that remains to be said is enjoy your weekend of sport. Bye-bye.